Lucky number two. Welcome, Litwits. I'm Lacey. And I'm Amy. <laughs> and we're your guides in this last episode of season one of The Library Game. What is The Library Game? It's an eclectically indecisive book club where we use random chance to help answer the terrible question of what do I read next? We do this using what we call the RSSB coordinates, where we go to our local library. We assign numbers to the rows, sections, shelves and books and we pick a random book and it's a lot of fun and we never know where it's going to take us next and it's been a blast getting to try this out for the podcast i think we've had a lot of success and a lot of laughs along the way and it's just been a lot of fun to get back into reading in a way that kind of breaks that funk and is surprising most of the time yeah, we should probably give the warning that there is no book being discussed today. No single book being discussed, so. It's just us the whole time. <laughs> just, it's the Amy and Lacey show today, and I don't know, is that obnoxious? I can't decide. I have a few, like, booky things that we haven't talked about that I will talk about, so it's like a sampler, like a like a short stories version of the library game. Yeah, little recap, little adventure stories. <laughs> I'm excited. So I figure first thing we should do is go through the books that we have read during the season, because honestly, some mm -hmm. of them I've mm -hmm. I've kind of forgotten about because it's been a while. So I'm going to go in order. Okay. Real quick. First book, Death Comes to Pemberley by P.D. James. And then we read News yep. of the World by Paulette Giles. We did- Not Tom Cruise. The Obsidian Tower by Melissa Caruso. The Appetites of Girls by Pamela Moses. The Housing Lark by Sam Selvin. The Plotters by Unsu Kim, Sister North by Jim Kokoris, The Worms of Bleermouth by Steven Erickson, If You Can Get It by Brendan Hodge, and then A Deadly Education by Naomi Novik, which I read and you had already read. Correct. So first things first, I feel like we have kind of an idea of what the answer to this is going to be, but I want to talk about from that list, what was your favorite book and episode? Okay, yeah, because the answer to that Surprisingly, as I was thinking about it, it is different things. So I think that my favorite book, which kind of surprised me, is The Plotters. Okay. I think overall, I liked The Plotters the most. I'm not counting A Deadly Education. Right. I, I was going to tell you that didn't count <laughs> if you picked it. Yeah. That one didn't count because, again, I came at it at that book outside of our method. Turned it into a method, but that's a whole other thing. But... I was a little surprised because I thought that maybe Obsidian Tower was going to be my favorite. But thinking back on it, I still think about the plotters quite a bit. I still really, really, really want to see the plotters <laughs> as a movie. And I think what it did is it, it teased a world that like you wanted to explore more. Uh, the different like assassin guilds and all this like world within the world kind of thing. It was really intriguing and it was just enough to make me want more but not so little that like it was frustrating or that I didn't care. You know what I mean? And so I think that it, it was a really good level of, of just wanting to explore that world more. Do you think, because I think I heard you say in a later episode that you've been watching like Korean TV. Oh yeah, K-dramas. Yeah, but so do you think <laughs> yeah. that, that maybe, like were you already watching that, consuming that sort of media or do you think it pushed you into that? Well, I think probably as far as like, visual media i think squid game like mm. the phenomenon that was squid game was a huge part of that too but i definitely am way more open to just being like well let's see you know just try it out i don't even care if i don't continue to watch that series i've got like three different series on netflix that i kind of lost interest <laughs> in about halfway through you know but if nothing else more willing to just like click on something and be like i don't know let's see it. let's see how it goes you know I am going to say that my favorite was Sister North. I knew you were going to say that too. <laughs> <laughs> I just loved that book so freaking much. And it's funny because none of the subject matter is stuff that I would normally say that sounds interesting to read about. Yeah, that book was definitely in some ways better than I thought it was going to be. And in other ways, I was like, yeah, no, this is this is kind of how I thought it was going to definitely not like 
the very beginning. The very beginning <laughs> was so bizarre. You know, I guess so like as the book went on, the bizarreness became more expected. I kind of was just like, yeah, yep, of course, yeah. of course, you know, that's how it's going to go. I don't think I expected the book to be so absurdist as it was. And so that was kind of a pleasant surprise. But you said that your favorite book was not your favorite episode. So what would you say your favorite episode is? So my favorite episode, because of what we got to do, was News of the World. Because I really liked watching the movie, reading the book, and having that discussion about the two of them. Because those are my, my two favorite things, is movies and books, right? And so I liked that we got to kind of pull that into the podcast a little bit. So I think overall, that's my favorite episode. But recording the Worms of Blue Mouth <laughs> episode was just like, it felt like a fever dream. And so, you know, that was kind of really enjoyable too, just because I just, I, I still like, I still shake my head when I think about that book, because I'm just like, I don't know, I don't, I don't get it. I think that one's a perfect example of like, I have this memory of high school, actually. And I think okay. it was you and me and our friend Valerie sitting in drama class, maybe. And you and Valerie were talking about a movie. And I remember hearing you guys talking about it and having not seen the movie and thinking it just sounded like the craziest, wildest, best movie ever. And I watched Uh it and it just like wasn't as good. And I feel like that's how the Worms of Blurmouth episode is because we got to hit the like most insane parts just like back to back to back. Like putting all the best parts of a movie in the trailer. So it almost made it (laughs) Better to hear it secondhand than even experience it. Do you it. remember what the movie was? Honestly, I think it was maybe Bubble Boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that that's another example of, again, something absurdist. And like when you talk about it, it just sounds so <laughs> bizarre and weird. And then when you watch it, it's like, I could see that. Yeah. If it gets built up for you too much ahead of time. But that kind of plays back into the whole reason why we did all this, right? Is that like, if you spend too much time, you know, working up your decision for something, you're more likely to be less satisfied with it. Whereas if you're just, you know, going at something completely blind and random, you have a lot more space for enjoyment. I think we saw that throughout this whole season, which I'm going to lead that into least favorite book, because (laughs) there was really only one instance of a book that I just felt like I didn't <laughs> I think like everybody all. knows what our least favorite book was. Yeah. But again, recording that episode was so funny, just like watching you lose your mind as you were like reading the reviews <laughs> and finding his wife's review and then reading the description of the book that she wrote, you know, just like all that stuff. Again, it's just so like we would never have wandered down that little side road of life if we hadn't been doing that. I honestly have to say that it it's definitely my least favorite book, but it might have been my favorite episode. Oh, yeah. That episode dropped as I was going on a road trip with uh, my mom and a friend. And it was a long road trip and we decided to listen to it. And the experience of getting to see other people react to that episode was <laughs> amazing. Recording the episode was fun in the ways that you mm-hmm. described, but like, getting to re-experience it and then see other people's reaction blind and like having them not know what (laughs) they were in for. (laughs) I enjoyed it a lot. And it it wasn't even awkward. I thought it was going to be super awkward having to listen (laughs) to myself in the car with (laughs) other people, but it was not. Are you saying that, wait, is that the first time that you've listened to an episode? With other people present. Oh, okay. I was like, man, I I listen to our stuff all the time. (laughs) But I think everyone that knows me knows that I love the sound of my own voice. So what about, let's see here. Do we we have some commentary from other people too on favorite books that we went through? We've got, let's see, Obsidian Tower was a favorite. Oh, someone else said Appetite, The Appetites of Girls was a favorite episode. Let's see here. It says, the sort of book I would have read in high school and enjoyed y'all's perspectives as women who love to read on how your relationships with food and people can go hand in hand, as well as the book had some cringy bits and it's always good to hear real people point them out instead of waxing poetically <laughs> about what a difficult topic it can be. 
waxing poetic is a thing we don't have to worry about. <laughs> I don't yeah, think. no, I've, I, no one has ever accused me of being poetic in my life. <laughs> but that is one thing that I think I hope that more people agree with about the podcast. You know, I mean, we said right from the get go, we are woefully underread avid readers. And, you know, we're not out here trying to do legitimate crit- critiques of anything. And I mean, I feel like that's most book clubs too, right? Yeah. I mean, you don't get in a book club with like high flutin people. <laughs> I mean, unless you do. But, you know, most people is just a group of friends sitting around talking about a book. To be fair, most book clubs that I know of, there's not actually books involved. Most of the time, there's just a lot of alcohol and maybe like dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Did I ever tell you about like the first time I actually joined a book club? Mm. It was with people through work, um, which as I've mentioned on here, I do work in a program that works with children. And I'm pretty sure the book club was created as an excuse for these women to read Fifty Shades of Grey. I do remember this. <laughs> without feeling like weird about it. We live in Oklahoma. A lot of people have hangups about a lot of stuff. And I really, really, really wanted to be part of a book club. <laughs> I didn't particularly care to read the book. I was like, well, I'm going to be in this book club. So that was the first book that we read. And then we we go to this girl's house and we have wine and food, you know, and all this. And everybody starts talking about the book. And I'm sitting there going, oh, shit. Oh, no. They think this is good. They think this is a good book. <laughs> it's It was not the right book club for you. <laughs> no, no. And I mean, again, I don't think I have, you know crazy good opinions necessarily or anything it's just that you want to be able to be honest if i had a dollar for every time that the character's inner dialogue says my inner goddess (laughs) are you serious yeah i could buy us lunch you know it was a lot felt very much like the feeling damp but virtuous (laughs) that was a common road trip phrase by the way after we listened to the episode the entire rest of the trip that was the running joke. Is that was it? Yeah. <laughs> we would be texting each other like, "Hey, I just got out of the shower." Damper virtuous. <laughs> <laughs> dot dot dot. I actually did though. You said um, appetites of girls, and that that is the one that I heard most often as one that people went out and read on their own. Now that you say that, I had someone tell me that as well. That she was like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna read that book," and I was like, "Oh." I'm over here like that was like the hardest book for me to read and not least favorite, just the hardest one to read. I'm very happy that our conversation of it did not, you know, sway anybody to say that they didn't want to read it because there were parts that we didn't care for. The comment that you read earlier, the parts that were unrealistic that we... Cringy stuff. Yeah. It's kind of one of those, I feel like, I don't know why I feel like this, but... A lot of things that deal with like women's issues or, you know, different takes on what femininity is or, you know, whatever. I feel like if I don't just praise that, if I'm not like, oh, yeah, girl power, you know, or whatever. There were times when we were doing that episode, I was like, man, are we just like shitting on women? (laughs) And I think we said that, like, are we bad women? Yeah. (laughs) Like, are we bad at being women? And I don't know if it's just me being like a very tomboy, you know, through most of my life, but. I have a lot of trouble connecting to those kinds of expressions of like womanhood, femininity, whatever. I am glad that our takes on it didn't throw people off because, again, like I said, it was a hard book to read. And I think I wrote down and I think I talked about it in that episode, too, because I listened to it. And it was kind of one of those that like when I wasn't listening to it, I was like, "Ugh, I got to finish this book. We got to, you know, we got to do the recording or whatever. But when I was listening to it. I was in it, you know what I mean? And so it's kind of one of those, like, that book was a labor for me, for sure. But I think, like we said, like, I'm glad that I read it. So that was the one that surprised you the most. Is that what you're saying? I mean, I think it surprised me that so many people connected with it. And I honestly, Mm. it's not one that I think has a lot of stuff out there on it. I think we looked at the author's social media presence, and Mm. I'm kind of excited Mm -hmm. that I don't like this phrase, but like signal boosting a little bit, you know, like (laughs) putting something out there that like a whole bunch of people never would have heard of. So that's kind of exciting. And I hadn't even thought about that as an outcome of doing the podcast, but Mm -hmm. that feels kind of good. Yeah. I also found the housing lark to be a surprising one. I know you didn't super care for it. 
that's a me problem. And I fully <laughs> acknowledge that. <laughs> that is the one that I feel like it's a crime that that's not an audiobook. Yeah. Because I can imagine that being performed, you know, sometimes Audible will have books that are performed by like a cast yeah. of people rather than just like one person reading. And I think that that is an example of one that would just be so cool to hear various people do voices, you know, and, and really because the the vernacular is so central to that book, I think it would be really cool. But I still, I think back about the narrator talking to the reader mm -hmm. and every now and then I think of the phrase that I really liked from the book where he's like, you want me to say it in the Queen's? <laughs> you know, like, as in like the Queen's English. And I want an excuse to say something like that in my real life. Like I want to be able to quote the book, but I know that it seems like kind of an obscure story and I don't, no one would ever get the reference other than like <laughs> you and like the handful of people that listen to us. I think that book really helped solidify a few things about how my own brain works that I honestly yeah. didn't know <laughs> before. So mm -hmm. in that sense, it was excellent. It helped me realize that I don't do the inner thought thing the way other people do. That still kind of blows my mind. I didn't realize that mine and yours were so different. I do have another comment on here. Sorry to kind of backtrack a little bit, but uh, Lee's favorite book was News of the World mm. for one of our readers because it was boring, according to this person. <laughs> just boring. It was just boring. But they also said that they have explored more into historical fiction since that. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. And then another person wrote in here that they were surprised at how much they liked News of the World. Okay. So sort of opposites. I mean, and that's how I felt about it. Probably the reason I liked it, and I think I said it in the episode, was because it was not as action-packed Western as I was expecting it to be. So it was a little more... Well, but you say that, but at the same time, I remember you loving the shit out of the actual action scene that's in that movie because of how, like, badass... Right, but it's because there was good character building prior. That's true. Okay. And the character wasn't all, like, I am a Western right. cowboy fighter. Yeah. Okay. So I'm curious if you have had any other experiences or impacts from doing the podcast. So I have a couple of examples. I've actually had people recommending books to me after listening to the podcast based on what uh -huh. I'm saying about what I liked and disliked. And the books that were uh -huh. recommended are great and stuff that I don't think I ever would have seen. So that's been really exciting and not something that I necessarily expected, but it's helped branch out my reading even more because people are recommending stuff that I wouldn't have touched. So just some shout outs. The books are um, House on the Cerulean Sea and Into the Drowning Deep. I won't give any more context than that. No, just tickling my fancy there. <laughs> They're both ocean related, but not at all similar books. <laughs> Interesting. I have gotten into a, I think I mentioned it, in the Deadly Education episode that I have a, a side piece book club <laughs> now with a couple of my friends. And I have read Iron Widow, which is a pretty good book from that. And I did on my own because I feel like this book kept popping up in media that I get into. Like, for example, another podcast that I listen to that has nothing to do with books. It just so happens that they mentioned Red Rising. Mm. And recently, I think the author came and they had like a whole convention around Red Rising, but it kept popping up. And I think a friend of mine, Kate, had mentioned that she read it and she really liked it. And so I got the books and I went through them very quickly. And I will say another thing that I've started to notice is that books that I'm reading on my own now I read them less with just like consume, consume, mm. consume, which I feel like is how I've always been. Because I'm a binge reader, I'm like, get it all in, you know. And now I feel like I think about it, like the Red Rising books, they were good. I liked them. But there were times where I was just like, oh my gosh, this inner monologue, this waxing poetic, like over and over and over and over again. I was like, okay, dude, we get it. Move on. You do this every, you know, three, four minutes in an audiobook. <laughs> I get a little tired of it after a while. But so I do find myself not necessarily like critiquing, but definitely thinking more critically mm. about what I'm reading or listening to. 
And I like that. I think that it it makes me slow down, I think, is what it is. It's more of like an active activity, I guess. Like it's not yeah. mindless. And I guess that makes sense too, that whole like mindfulness is such a cool thing to talk about these days, you know. That actually kind of reminds me of something I wanted to talk about because I feel kind of the same way. It reminded me of... Several years ago, I was trying to read more, but my strategy for that was I was on Goodreads and I'd like set a Goodreads goal for the year and it was getting towards mm-hmm. the end of the year and I was four books behind or something. And so I was picking up random books, trying to finish them. And I was like asking people on Facebook, what's a short book that you like that I can read in a day? And mm-hmm. a friend who is somebody that I just really admire her whole approach to life. I was talking to her about this and we talked about books all the time. So I thought she would sort of understand, oh, I have this book goal and I want to read this many books. And she just looked at me like I was crazy. And she was like, why would you have a goal about books? Books are for enjoyment. You're supposed to just like them. (laughs) And it was like, oh, you're right. Why am I making books a job? (laughs) You know? Yeah, well, and it's more about checking it off and posting the number rather than it's quantity over quality, right? And what's funny is that getting away from that and doing this and not having any sort of objective, I have probably read more books in the last year than I ever did in that year because I got excited about it again. You know, I had, there were times where I had three or four books in progress at once based on where (laughs) I was. So I had this book physically that I would read when I walked around waiting for my kid after school. And then I had this book on my phone that I would read if I was in a waiting room somewhere. I had my book that was on my nightstand. And like, I was interested in all of those stories. And I don't know, it was just really exciting. I haven't quite gotten to, to a point like that where I can have multiple stories in my brain at once. I'm still very much like, And I do this with food too. Like I want to eat this and then I'll go on to the next thing on my plate, right? And so I feel like very similar. Although I have gotten better at maintaining multiple storylines between like some podcasts that I listen to, but I can't do it with books yet. I'm not quite there yet. I don't know why, but I'm like, I want to finish this story before I start a new one. So that's kind of interesting. I also, this is probably a shocker to any listeners, but I tried audiobooks. Yeah. And I've been really liking them. (laughs) I found out I can only do them during certain activities. So I've started running and running is a great spot for audiobooks because I can zone out Mm -hmm. and pay enough attention. I have noticed that I don't retain as many details when I do audiobooks as I do if I was physically reading it. But yeah, it's great for a long run. And it makes me more excited to go out and run because I know I get to know, you know, what happens in the story and then I can do it driving sometimes and then like Uh folding laundry those are the three activities that i found that i can listen to the book and still remember what was said five minutes later (laughs) yeah i i mean i don't run but uh (laughs) but driving is where i do most you know whether it's podcasts or audiobooks or whatever that's that's where i and i got a good 30 minute commute i can get a good chunk out of the way but also you know any kind of not to mind using tasks. Right. Which is scary that driving is in that category. Well, I mean, how many how many times have you driven and then you get to where you're going and you're like, shit, right. I don't remember the yeah. past 15 minutes, you know? So I feel like, honestly, I feel like listening to something while I drive, like a book or a podcast, actually keeps my brain a little bit more active than like zoning out while driving, yeah. right? But I can't be doing work. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm at work and I'm doing, you know, like my data entry or, you know, something like that, I can't listen to something. But washing dishes, cleaning is really good Mm -hmm. time I have. Anytime I'm cleaning the bathroom, that's like the perfect time because that's like one of the chores that I hate the most. And so it makes it better to do it that way, you know. But yeah, it has to be something where you can kind of move on muscle memory and kind of go on autopilot so that you can focus on the story. And I love that. I get kind of mad at myself because like I said, I'm a binge reader. And so I used to, you know, I, I really do like physically reading a book, but I don't know, I don't have the stamina for yeah. it quite so much anymore to read the way I used to with physical books. And I can't decide if that makes me sad or not. So did you at any point play a library game on your own? So... Strictly speaking, no, 
but I do feel like I have done things that felt library game-ish. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I have a whole story around that. But do you, have you played the library game on your own? Yes. One time. And it was that same okay. road trip that I was talking about. It was a long road trip. So we <laughs> decided to play the library game in the Libby app with audiobooks. So it was a little bit different. Libby actually has a random button. Like you can oh. sort by random. And so we I didn't know we that. went in and we said we want an audiobook that's available now. We want one that's under 10 hours because that was going to be the right amount of time for mm-hmm. our, our trip. And I hit random and we picked the first one that came up and it was called The Backup Plan by Jill Shalvis. It was a Hallmark movie in a book. <laughs> it was extremely awkward because there were a lot of like uh, romance scenes. We did choose to skip through some of them. <laughs> you did not. You coward. I mean, I know you were in the car with your mom, but... I just don't need to be there in the car <laughs> hearing about like this, what came across as a very like middle-aged woman sex fantasies. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. The lead-ups were really funny. Like there was... You guys really did hallmark it then by fading to black, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But highly recommend. It was very funny. I did end up having to listen to like the last half hour after I got home because we didn't make it through. So I had to like mm. clips notes the end of it to everybody. Did you go back and re-listen those things that you skipped? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure that they were really awful though, because an awful not like dirty, but just cringe eat. Oh. Okay. Because the lead up was a lot of <laughs> like they were trying to get into an attic or something, and instead of getting a ladder, the female character just decides to climb the male character like a tree. <laughs> As you do. And I've heard that term used before when, like, you're just really horny for somebody. Like, I could climb him like a tree. I know, but that was the description of how she got into the attic. And then there was also something about when it was his perspective, everything about her was just sexy. She was so sexy. Everything was sexy. And these are people that are like mid thirties, mm-hmm. you know, just, I, I felt they were, they were not realistic. Your inner monologue isn't just describing how other people are sexy all the time. Is that not? I guess not. That, no. Is that weird? Okay. <laughs> anyway, though, it was, it was fun. I don't know that any of us liked the book, but I think we'll always remember <laughs> listening to it, driving through Kansas city. Does anybody really like Hallmark movies or is it just, this is my trash, Yeah, you know? This is trash, but it's my trash. And that's why I enjoy it. We had a lot of jokes. One of the characters was just exceptionally dumb. Like she forgot Mm. that she had a house at one point. (laughs) (laughs) Like she forgot that it belonged to her or just that it existed She forgot that she could go home. (laughs) She forgot that was a choice that she had and had to be reminded. Well, all right. So one thing that I was really proud of that I did that I felt was very library game-ish, was I went to a work conference on the flight there. It was me and a coworker went, but we were seated separately. I think she was seated in the row behind me. And so I was in the middle seat, you know, with three seats. And there was a lady to my left and a guy to my right. And I, you know, you when you get on an airplane, you just kind of want to ignore everybody around you. You just want to like get it over with. You're not an airplane talker? Well, not typically. No, actually. I, I usually put my headphones in. I'm usually playing like a game on my phone or listening to a book. And I don't think I had a book to listen to at that point. And so I think I was listening to podcasts at one point. But in any case, I like getting on planes, but I don't really like being that close to people, you know, where you're just kind of crammed in like that. But while I was sitting there, I noticed that the guy next to me, he had a book that he pulled out. And so he's reading this book. And the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm like, what's he reading? I wonder what he's reading. Yeah, because the lady on my left, she wasn't being very interesting. She wasn't doing anything. And so I kept glancing over to my right, looking at this book because it was smaller. It looked old, you know, everything. And so finally, I was like, Amy, what the hell are you doing? Just ask the guy what he's reading. (laughs) And so I did. I just kind of tapped him on the arm. like, hey, could you, you know, what, what are you reading? And then I was like, oh, now I'm going to like sound like a douche because I'm going to be like, oh, well, I have a podcast and, you know, all this. 
But it was kind of a neat story. So the guy, his grandfather had collected every Louis L'Amour book that existed. Now, at the time, I didn't know what that meant. But his grandpa had all these books and they were cleaning out his grandfather's house. And so he took a couple of them and was just reading them. So I said, oh, that's really cool. So my friend and I, we do a podcast and it's all about finding, you know, a random book that you might never read before. And so I was like, I'm going to download that book. And so when I when we landed, I went and downloaded <laughs> it. Come to find out Louis L'Amour is the author of The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. Oh. And many other very famous Westerns. And so I read a book called Tucker, and it was very much a Western. I don't think you would have liked this book. (laughs) And it was all about like this guy, him and his dad had gone and taken cattle to sell. And it was like the cattle that belonged to a whole community. And so they, you know, trail rode this cattle, but the book starts when they're on their way back and they get robbed. And then his dad ends up dying. And the whole book is Tucker going after these people that robbed him. Because he's like, I got to get that money back to everybody else. It's not even about me. It's about, you know, the whole community or whatever. At one point, he's in Colorado, goes all the way out to California and back and like everywhere in between chasing these people down. And he becomes a man along the way because he's like a late teen. But it was, I mean, again, another example of like, I probably would have hated that book if I had been made to read it. But because I just randomly chose to read it, it ended up being, you know, better than I thought it would have been. You might have even called that a strange encounter. <laughs> a strange encounter? <laughs> yeah, so I I texted Lacey while I was there. <laughs> and I was like, hey, I, I had this random idea and I think it would be really cool. And so um, we actually, coming up in season two, we're not going to review Tucker. I'm not going to make Lacey read Tucker. <laughs> but we did end up deciding like, yeah, we should do this at some point a bit kind of like the whole read this coward thing that we that we tried out this season. So we are going to have a strange encounter in a future episode in the podcast. It's funny because it came about slightly differently than we thought it was going to because we're like, we're gonna do this. And then it happened upon us in its own way. And I thought that that was kind of cool. But we're going to save that story for that episode. But just say a little, little, little nugget, little teaser for you guys, a little amuse-bouche for season two. <laughs> Ever since I learned the term amuse-bouche, you'd be surprised how many times I say it just like in life. Um, okay, so the last question that I have that I wanted to talk about mm-hmm. was we read a couple books that were part of a series. We read books, obviously, in every genre you could imagine except horror we haven't gotten any horror books we haven't we haven't really done horror hmm. i mean there were some horrors in worms <laughs> of blair mouth but i don't think not in the genre sense but i'm curious if you read further in in any of these so either in an author or one of the series or anything like that no i haven't and i think it was a combination of like i mentioned earlier i'm a monogamous reader <laughs> One book at a time kind of girl. And so the podcast getting me excited about reading again meant that I ended up with, I've had kind of lists of like, okay, I'm going to read this next or I want to read that or, you know, whatever. And so I never got around to going back. Now, I mean, I had already read all three of the Scholomance books, Deadly Education, the series called the Scholomance series. And so in that sense, yes. But I have occasionally thought about going back to the Obsidian Tower series and maybe giving that another go. And I might still. What about you? I went back and I read, well, I didn't go back. I read all the rest of the Skullman's books, like pretty much right after we recorded the episode on it. Mm -hmm. And I do want to say, I think that having read the whole series... I don't think I gave the first book enough credit. It's hard to give the first book in a series credit when you know that there's more to come. I had this idea in my head that it was going to follow the pattern of like a Hunger Games or whatever. And and uh-huh. to me, those books in that YA dystopian future, blah, 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 whatever, they uh-huh. tend to just the second book is only even slightly loosely related to the plot of the first book. There's a newer, bigger, bad. And it's like mm-hmm. you kind of just go off. In a totally different direction, and it's the same characters, but the 
the plot just feels very different. And this was not like that at all. I loved the fact that everything really felt intentional and built on itself. I loved the whole story of the mom mouths and like mm. how it all tied together. Yeah, the mom mouth thing was really cool. Yeah. So it was much more mature than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> it went really well, I think. But that's actually not the only ones that I read more of. Or do you want to talk oh. more about that? No, 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 no. What? Because I don't think you told me this. No, I haven't told you any of this. So oh, I, <laughs> I'm in the middle of the second Obsidian Tower book. I'm listening to it. Oh, okay. So, and I've obviously just recently started that. It was a while ago that we read it. So I'm having to jump back and remember what all is going on. But mm. so far, really liking it. And I also read a book by an author that was not on our list, but I was led to this author because of the book on our list. I read... Did you read the wife's book? I read Bright Smoke, Cold Fire by Rosamund Hodge. (laughs) 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 It's not the one that I read about in the episode. Uh Uh-huh, not the, like, fairy tale kind of one. So that's kind of her shtick, is what I found out, is that she does, like, a classic story um, and then rewrites it in, like, a different genre. So the one that I read, Bright Smoke, Cold Fire, is the first in a series. It is based on Romeo and Juliet. Oh. And it is a society where magic exists. Okay. And it is pretty much the end of the world. The people in the story live in like a magical safe bubble. Their town mm. is in a like a literal bubble encased in magic that protects them from a fog that is like a killing fog that has taken over the rest of the world. And anybody okay. outside of the city and inside of the city who dies becomes a zombie unless you burn them. So okay. Romeo and Juliet, Society of Magic everybody's zombies that makes me think of the they made the movie and i think it was a book too the pride and prejudice and zombies i've never seen that but this is like i would say very loosely related to romeo and juliet so there are characters with the same names the families are different but there are two families that disagree with each other very Uh tribal and there's still there's a tybalt and tybalt dies Uh uh but juliet is not just Juliet she's the Juliet so in her family there's a like a tradition where a female member of the family she's the magic girl is selected to be the protector of the family and so there are ancient magic words that are carved into her skin starting as a baby and like for her to survive they can only do like slowly a little bit at a time I think until she turns 18 um, and at that point, she's essentially just a slave assassin to her family. And she has no name. Damn. She has a title, which is the Juliet. So, okay. So here's the thing. Do you think that maybe in this relationship <laughs> that Brendan is just being appeased or just like, yeah, sweetie, you can write books too? I don't know. Because that sounds rad. I did listen to it. So like I said, I don't, I, the details are harder for me to remember, but. It was very big. There was a lot going on. There are characters that definitely don't exist in Romeo and Juliet. And there's the whole concept of it is, I don't even know what happens in in the future books, but there's one girl who, from what I could tell, she's based on like an ex love interest or something of Romeo's, I think, which I didn't Mm. even know. I don't know Romeo and Juliet that well, but. Well, at the at the very beginning, Romeo is depressed because I think Rosalind, he's in love with this yeah. girl, Rosalind, and he almost wants to kill himself because yeah. she doesn't love him. There's a character who's one of the main characters based, I think, on that. But she okay. is part of this, like, sisterhood of nuns who they think they have to do, like, blood magic to support the city. And so she joins this sisterhood and she learns that the magic is failing and then... She plucks the Juliet from death and then they partner up and they're running around and then it's Romeo and Paris get (laughs) partnered up and they're running around the undergrounds and (laughs) it was actually really entertaining. I liked it a lot. There was some gender bending happening. Okay. Which, again, surprising 
I guess, I don't know, maybe maybe we judged a little too harshly with Brendan's book, but like the whole like Ignatius Press thing right. and the kind of ham-fisting some religion in there and everything, I'm a little surprised. You can tell that there's religious... Undertones or whatever? A lot of what they talk about in the book is their religions, but it's like they're made-up religions in this weird world. There's a lot of mm. them. There's the gods and there's... There's one character who their religion is like, nothing happens when you die. All you psychos that say like, oh, there's this path of light and blah, blah, blah. So like, there's lots of different perspectives floating around. And then the gender bending thing, there's a character who presents as male, is male until there's like a a fight and then the shirt gets cut off and it's decidedly not male. And then they find out that this person has come from a culture where basically... If you are the end of your family's line and there are no male children to carry on the name, the eldest female child can choose to become and live life as a man. They dress as a man. Uh They take a wife. The wife takes lovers and then has children and then they raise the children as the father. And so in society are Mm. just accepted as like, you are now a man. You have sworn to be a man. And then now that's how you're living life. So... It was just, I don't know, some interesting ideas going on. Very creative. The whole thing was extremely creative, I thought. Mm. Much more impressed by Rosamund than her husband. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. She must be the creative mind in the household. And she's like, yes, honey, you can write too. <laughs> Proud of you. I will say I haven't read it yet, but I did get a book that I kind of, I think I'm going to give myself permission to say like, yeah, I impulse bought this book. <laughs> but because it's for the podcast, I'm like, yeah. Well, I say for the podcast, but again, I think the mindset of just like, yeah, go for it. Give it a try. Who cares? Who cares if you don't like it? You know, it's okay to not like something. But at a conference that I just got back from, there was an actor who spoke at the conference and he has autism and he talked a lot about his struggles, you know, growing up, but how acting helped him make connections in a world that it's been difficult for him. What really spurred me to it, though, was he got the role of the main character in a play production of The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, Mm -hmm. which was a book that I had heard about a long time ago and thought, oh, I I should read that. And so he was talking about it. I was like, I forgot about that book. And so I got that and breezed through it in like two days. It's a short book. I think I read that years ago. Yeah, it's about an autistic boy who... Like, it starts off with, like, his neighbor's dog is killed and he's going to be a detective and figure out, like, what happened. And the story is, like, him telling the reader, like, I'm writing this book because, you know, whatever. But so then the actor has a memoir that he put out. And I was like, I'm going to try to read a memoir. So that that's the thing that I'm going to do because of the podcast. You know, the only memoir I've ever read. You know whose it was? What's that? Obama's? Paula Dean. <laughs> <laughs> Why? (laughs) Because in school, I went to school for psychology, and we had to Uh choose a person or fictional character to write up and, like, diagnose. And I don't know how I got to Paula Dean, but I did. Apparently, she had agoraphobia really bad. Like, she didn't leave her house for years. Mm. So for that assignment, I read that book. (laughs) Interesting. All right. I read, I technically read a memoir in high school. And this is actually kind of a similar vein of, you know, something that you wouldn't have come across on your own. So junior or senior year of high school for English, we had our books that were assigned. And then one of our assignments towards the end of the year was to select a book that wasn't on the book list and read it and then do like a little report about it and basically make your recommendation like do you think this should be oh i'm just gonna say go teach for like having the students do the work for you right yeah so smart (laughs) (laughs) i but i was really struggling trying to figure out what i wanted to read i couldn't i couldn't think of anything you know and i know that if i remember correctly Somebody read Life of Pi, somebody read Memoirs of a Geisha, you know, some of these real famous books and stuff. And our teacher, actually, she recommended the book to me. It was a heartbreaking work of staggering genius. Oh, yeah, I know. You loved that book. I remember that. I loved that book. Yeah. So that's by Dave Eggers. And it is a highly fictionalized memoir of his life. 
when, you know, he lost both of his parents within like the span of two months, ended up him and his sister kind of raising their little brother, him trying to make it in on like on the West Coast. He tried to get on the real world, um, like all these different things that he did. And I ended up following him as an author. And I think it's the first time because I don't even think I'd gone back and read the other Ender's Game books yet. I want to say this is the first time I was like, I'm going to read books because this author wrote them. Mm -hmm. And it was really cool because, you know, he does a lot of he does a lot of short fiction, I think, because he did a lot of writing for uh, I can't remember the name of the magazine that he wrote for, but it was really cool. And then, you know, later on, seeing his name pop up on things, I was like, ah, I know who that is. I know that author, you know, because he did I think he did the screenplay for the adaptation of Where the Wild Things Are. Mm -mm. And his book, The Circle, got made into a movie with Emma Watson and Tom Hanks actually was was in that. So it was it was really cool that, you know, something that, again, I would never have picked for myself ended up being, you know, a thing that like every now and then I'll go see, like, has he written anything new, you know? Yeah. yeah so I'm, I'm going to try a memoir again and we'll see how that goes. Well, maybe next season we end up with a memoir. Maybe next season I convince Amy that we can go into the nonfiction section for an episode. Mm. <laughs> that would definitely be... That would be me stretching for sure. <laughs> but I mean, like, what if we end up with atlases of West Virginia? Well, how do you read that? I think there's different sections for reference books versus nonfiction. We'll figure it out. Okay. I will say, so another question that we had put out to listeners that I thought was kind of funny that we got conflicting answers on. So we did ask everybody, you know, what do you think about this method, right? Because we've talked a lot about how it's, you know, affected us or whatever. What do you think about the method of, you know, going to the library, doing this methodical random choosing. And what I think is really funny is I got response wise, it was either I don't think this would work with an in-person book club. And I think this is great for an in-person book club. <laughs> like the exact opposite things. Yeah. So like, okay, one thing here, it says, you know, I, it would be really cool to do library game and enjoy book clubbing that way. And this person in particular said, if I had a group of people nearby, I'd definitely use the library game as a way for us to choose books. Whereas this other reply says, I enjoy the method, but it may be difficult to implement for an in-person book club situation. And I wonder if that's, you know, because I will say is it is helpful that you and I read differently. Right. You know, you are branching into audiobooks, but... When we go pick out a book, you take the physical copy and I find the audiobook and we're we're good to go. Except for I think two or three times. I think Worms of Bluemouth for sure. <laughs> and the housing lark, I think were the only ones. Oh no, and and Sister North. But Sister North was a weird one because if you remember, that was the book that like didn't, didn't exist. exist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, out of ten books, I had to physically read three of them. And so we did have to share. So I could see that, that that could be an issue with the book club if everyone's having to to try to get the same copy or yeah. limited copies and you're all within the same physical space. I also think that there's a little bit of a mm, a little bit of a barrier when you're trying to play the game, especially if it's like the first time you're playing, because there's some excitement, I think, of like, ooh, it's a mystery. Mm. Sort of like my kids love these stupid blind bag toy things where it's like Oh. oh my gosh, I might get a rare, like an ultra rare or whatever. And then you open it and there's this yeah. moment Pokemon. of anticipation <laughs> where you don't know what you're going to get. And maybe it's going to be something really exciting. And then you see it and it's just a thing. And it's maybe not yeah the thing that you were expecting or it's not some magical thing. And so you have maybe a moment of letdown when you pick the book because you're like, oh, mm. this? Do I really want to read this? But when you push past that and you just go for it, that's yeah. when you get the enjoyment. So my mom actually did this. Uh, we had mass power outages this yes. past summer and she had nothing to do. And so she's like, you know what? I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to play the library game and get a book because there's literally nothing else I can think of to do <laughs> when all of like <laughs> the power and internet and everything is gone for multiple days. Yeah. So she did and she was on the phone with me while she was doing it. And the first book she picked up, she was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I want to do it. Um, and then she actually mm -hmm. went and I think she realized that she had counted wrong or something. And so she she got like a, a backup book and they were both ones that she seemed uncertain she was maybe going to give up. Mm. And then she kept thinking about it and thinking about it. And finally, 
she was like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I, I can't remember which one she went with, like the first one or the second one. But she really enjoyed mm -hmm. it. She talked to me about it a ton afterwards and 100% would not have done that or made that choice if not for playing yeah. the game. Well, and that's what like I think we talked a lot about how when your expectations are lowered, you're more likely to give something a chance and not be so critical of it or whatever. But I think another thing, and we kind of touched on a little bit earlier, but I want to kind of reiterate it, is that it's okay not to like something. And, you know, we have so much anxiety around like, oh, I'm not going to like it. And it's just like, so? So you didn't like it. Like, that's kind of how I was with the Tucker book. I mean, it was fine, you know, whatever. I didn't hate it. But, you know, it was just kind of one of those like, cool, I read it and it was it was fine, you know, whatever. And And even not liking something you can get enjoyment out of that yeah. too because like you, like we mentioned we had so much fun recording the if you can get an episode because <laughs> we were just so angry about it you know and i think when we were recording i had a lot of anxiety yeah. around recording that episode because i am i don't want to say like i'm a toxically positive person but i typically live more in positive vibes and so i don't particularly care with being negative and a similar kind of ickiness that came from Appetites of Girls, right? Where I was just like, I don't like living in bad feelings. And so I had a lot of anxiety when we were recording that episode. because so I was like, people are going to think I'm a bitch. Like I was so <laughs> mean, like I felt so mean, you know, but, but by the end of it, it was, it was fun. Yeah. And it was kind of, you know, like, sorry, Brendan, but it was kind of fun to bash on your book. <laughs> like, the giving yourself permission to say like, I'm probably not going to like it. And if I want to stop reading it, then I can. Now you and I won't stop reading because yeah. we have a job to do. But like, <laughs> you know, anybody else, if you want to stop reading the book, stop reading the book. No one's going to like, you're not going to get a bad grade. No one's going to come at you and fine you for not finishing a book or, you know, whatever. So go for it. Yeah. You tried it. It's a taste. It's a new experience and something new you tried that you hadn't before. It makes me think of yeah, just like trying to get your kid to eat broccoli or something. <laughs> it was reminding me of when I took my kid on another road trip, but it was me and my kid, and we went past an ice cream place. We went in, and they had durian ice cream, and I was like, we should try it. I've never had durian. It was going to be bad. We're going to hate it. But now we can tell people that we tried durian ice cream, and so we did. And there was <laughs> yeah. a video of it. It was terrible, and we still talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> It tasted like sugary onion farts. <laughs> it was really gross. Sugary onion farts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, all of that to say that this has been a lot of fun and I'm excited to keep going. And you know what? Maybe, maybe as a treat, we can venture into the nonfiction section of the library. I will probably be kind of grumpy about that, but, <laughs> you know, we'll see. All right, there's no RSSB for next time because next time will be the start of a new season. We're going to take a month off, regroup, mm -hmm. and be back with you in December. Really hope that you guys stick with us and thank you for playing along in the library game. Adios. <laughs>